This Day in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History Class, a show for those who can never know enough about history. I'm Gabe Luzier, and in this episode, we're tracing the origin of a -a once-in-a-lifetime song that's used to celebrate very different occasions, depending on which country you're in. The day was October 19th, 1796. The popular marching song, Pomp and Circumstance, was performed live for the very first time, but not at a graduation. The song is forever linked to graduation ceremonies in the minds of many Americans, but it's actually a British song written by noted composer Sir Edward Elgar. The portion of the song played by school bands across the U.S. is just a snippet of the first of five pieces known collectively as the Pomp and Circumstance Military Marches. In August of 1901, Elgar submitted the first two marches to his publisher, and just two months later, they were performed live by the Liverpool Orchestral Society and their conductor, A.E. Roadwald. The performance was so well received that it was repeated a few days later by conductor Henry Wood and was met with even greater fanfare. Wood described the occasion afterward, writing, quote, The people simply rose and yelled. I had to play it again, with the same result. In fact, they refused to let me go on with the program. After considerable delay, while the audience roared its applause, I went off and fetched Harry Durth, who was to sing Hiawatha's Vision, but they would not listen. Merely to restore order, I played the march a third time. And that, I may say, was the one and only time in the history of the promenade concerts that an orchestral item was accorded a double encore. Elgar's marches, the first one in particular, became a national sensation. Britain's colonial empire was still growing in the early 20th century, and Elgar's triumphant military march perfectly captured the confident mood of the ever-expanding nation. It's no surprise, then, that Queen Victoria's son, and the soon-to-be king, also took a liking to the song. After his mother's passing in 1901, Edward VII requested the central theme of the march to be played at his coronation the following year. Elgar obliged, of course, and though he hadn't written the song with lyrics, it was decided that some should be included for the royal crowning. Elgar commissioned English poet Arthur Benson for the task, resulting in the song Land of Hope and Glory. It shares the melody played at American graduations, but with some decidedly warlike and pro-empire lyrics. It goes like this. Land of hope and glory, mother of the free, how shall we extol thee who are born of thee? Wider still and wider shall thy bounds be set. God, who made thee mighty, make thee mightier yet. The militarism of the song is also reflected in its title, Pomp and Circumstance. 
The phrase is a reference to a passage from William Shakespeare's Othello. In the third scene of Act 3, the soldier Othello mistakenly believes that his love, Desdemona, has been unfaithful. That perceived betrayal wounds him so deeply that he no longer feels fit to be a soldier. In true dramatic fashion, he bids farewell to his profession, saying, quote, Farewell the neighing steed and the shrill trump, the spirit-stirring drum, the ear-piercing fife, the royal banner and all quality, pride, pomp, and circumstance of glorious war. So the big question is, how did a song go from honoring a British king to honoring American graduates? The transition actually started with the song's composer, Edward Elgar. He was friends with a music professor at Yale named Samuel Sanford. In 1905, the college invited Elgar to receive an honorary doctorate degree, and Sanford arranged to have pomp and circumstance played at the ceremony in Elgar's honor. The main difference was that the song was played as Elgar walked away from the stage instead of to the stage, as would become the norm in future ceremonies. After making a strong impression on the faculty at Yale, the song was adopted by other universities and eventually by high schools and even elementary schools. By the mid-1920s, it had become the processional song for graduations across the country, and it still is today, even if it is a little played out at this point. Pomp and Circumstance Number 1 remained just as popular in its home country, too. In fact, it was so popular that Elgar released it as a record in 1931. For the recording, he conducted the London Symphony Orchestra during the very first session ever held at Abbey Road Studios. Today, many English sports teams play the song at their matches, and some British citizens have spent decades lobbying for the tune to become the country's new national anthem but you won't hear it played at British graduations. That remains a uniquely American tradition. It may not have been what the song's composer intended, but he likely would have approved of its use at graduations. In a 1904 interview about the marches, Elgar said, quote, I like to look on the composer's vocation as the old troubadours or bards did. In those days, it was no disgrace to step in front of an army and inspire the people with a song. For my own part, I know that there are a lot of people who like to celebrate events with music. To these people, I have given tunes. And for that, graduation organizers, marching bands, and proud parents are eternally grateful. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. You can learn even more about history by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHC Show. And if you have any comments or suggestions, you can write to us at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class.
more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.